Lord, we do give you our praise. We long to find you who you truly are, which is beautiful and majestic, holy, awesome, good and kind and faithful, and we just capture us with that beauty so that um, in turning to you, that we just automatically, those other things in our lives, take their rightful place. And so we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Um, Brent McCrory, I'm going to make an audible if you don't mind. Where is Brent? He's here somewhere. I was looking for Brent. I'm going to make an audible. I want to do our thing next week. Is that okay? Is that okay? I know you dressed up for it, but a <laughs> couple of things. Um, in two weeks, I think it's two weeks, we're going to, is actually the first day of Advent. Can you believe Advent's here already? And so in Advent, we're actually going to do a series, uh, uh, my apologies to those that have been a bear trap. They understand that. Everybody else, I think this will be great. But, I mean, it should be for them too. Um, but we're going to do a series called The Nine Words of Christmas. And if anybody ever asked you, wanted to ask you the question, can you explain Christmas to me? Um, I want to give you nine words. But if you give them these words, this explains not just Christmas, but explains the gospel. And... We have cards. I have some up here. There's some back at the information booth. We really would like, this would be a great series to invite a friend to who, if, you know, again, we're not forcing people, but if somebody has any interest or you think they might, this would be a good series to invite a friend to, to, uh, to really get to understand the deep meaning of Christmas. Because um, I, uh, maybe I'll explain that in two weeks, but I was like the Grinch growing up. I had no clue like what it was all about. And actually, a lot of people in our culture have no clue. So I uh, want to encourage you with that. The other thing is, is, you know, a lot of stuff I do, I'm actually speaking not just to the people of God, but I know there are people here who don't know him, and I'm trying to speak into their life. And this is going to be a lot of that. And it's just a way, if you'll even watch, it's a way for you to, to learn, I think, an approach to, to, deal, to speak to people who are seeking for God. So that's a lot of what I do, actually. Um, just want to let you know, give a warning, next Sunday Jordan's in control of the service. Um, just let you know that, you know, they put labels on things, caution, or, or this, this does not represent the, what the, the management of this place holds to or something. <laughs> no, we're, he's, we've got a really excited thing planned. Um, you know, he did unchurch in August, and I wasn't here, and I wish I could have been, because I love the idea. And so now we're going to go do the opposite, we're going to do Uber church next week. So get ready for Uber Church. And here's why I really love what he's doing. Because um, there, when we were doing Unchurch, part of the purpose is there are people all over the world who they're not gathering like this. They're gathering in a home. And in China, if they're in a home, when they sing, they can't even say words in some cities. They just mouth it because if they're heard by neighbors, the police could come, okay? So we were trying to give you a taste of some ways people worship around the world. Next week is another taste. I have a friend from Nigeria. And what we're going to do next week is what would be happening in his church in Nigeria. Um, so it's partly that. And I, what I, part of what I love about this is what we're going to do next week is very rooted in the history of the church and postmodern people. Modernism really, set, modernism kind of cut off and said anything before rationalism or before the, what was that thing called, the, uh, where everything got, the Renaissance or whatever. Everything before that is kind of worthless. Only modern things matter. And then in our modern culture now, you know, styles change, phones change, everything changes so much. 
that a lot of people in our culture, especially young people, feel rootless. They feel like there's this, this sense that they're not tied to anything longer than their life or whatever. And what we're going to do next week with Uber Church is we're going we're gonna to get rooted into the history of Jesus followers, okay? So I'm really excited about it. So make sure you're here next week. All right, I want to, uh, yeah, two other things. Chili cook-off is coming, guys. Um, I encourage you to come. Again, bring a friend. It's a chance for them just to, to hang around some guys who know Jesus. And don't forget to turn in your missions giving because they're needing that for making the budget. So, all right, I want to turn my attention to the chairs. Um, we're starting a new program here at 12th. We're going to start a VIP program. Uh, the people who are checking the spiritual boxes the most will get to sit up here during sermon time. We're excited. No, actually, this is for the sleepers. I've been watching and paying attention. I know who you are. And so we're going to bring all the sleepers up here, and hopefully that'll keep them awake. If not, it'll entertain you, right? Have a squirt gun, you know. Uh, no, actually, well, my sleepers. Can my sleepers come up? The people I've already been observing, come on up. These are the people I've been watching over the weeks who, who have a problem with this. Uh, so, oh, man, look at this. These people are so humble admitting, admitting this. Uh, oh, Blocker's already asleep. No, come on. Yeah, you were... And guys, if you could just pull these up a little bit, just a little bit, if you could help, and then you guys can choose, choose where you want to sit. Um, we're doing something unique this week that I would like to do two or three times a year, and we're going to call it, I think, we're going to call it Common Sunday. Um, the word common is closely tied into the, the Greek word of koinonia and of community, and we want to occasionally... Um, um, we want to occasionally have a chance for us to hear about what God's doing in our community, especially in relation to the series that we just did. And so, Steve, I'm giving you Mike. Okay. If somebody wants to grab that one. Yeah, Stephen. Um, and something, <laughs> something, <laughs> something new we're trying. Uh, yeah, that's good. Okay. Um, but I think there can be really great value in this, and so I appreciate your, you letting me experiment with some things. So um, we're going to, we want to hear, this happens to be my small group and my current group. I miss my old one, but this is my new one. Um, and so I just, uh, I thought if I'm going to do this the first time, I need to do it with a group of people I've been listening to, so is that okay? It's not, it's not preferences. Um, yeah, when I was telling him about this and it was Common Sunday, I think Tyson said, oh, Common Sunday because you're going to have the commoners up there. Uh, but these are not commoners. These guys are spiritual giants to me. Did you guys bring coffee? I see a few waters. Awesome. Okay. I brought my coffee while doing the interview. Okay. Just, uh, yeah, thanks to the ladies back there who, who do the coffee room every week. The ladies and guys, can we give them a, a round of applause? Okay. I kind of feel like an outsider over here, yeah. um, but that's okay, because it's really about you guys, there we go. what God is doing in your life. So, you know, we've, I've been with you through this journey, right? And it's been a good journey. I think for our group, we've had a lot of good sharing and nice and cozy over there. That's awesome. Um, you know, one thing last week as we kind of talked about this, the whole idea, two of you mentioned the whole 
peeling back layers, that it helped you peel back layers. And several of you mentioned the idea of your awareness has increased. Who, just, who wants to speak into that? Alice, I know, weren't you one of the people that talked about <laughs> that? <laughs> Since you've got a mic, can I throw it to you first? Yeah. You guys should close. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so originally I thought one of my idols was like the love of money. Um, but through like listening to Karen's sermons, I realized that actually um, I just use money to um, satisfy my need for control. And so um, I use that in ways of like getting a house and making sure that I will be, um, that I won't be in need in that way. Um, and it's also interesting that Karen brought up um, who the peeling back layers I mean that was you guys I think yeah we is this on can you hear me um I think that was huge for me because similar to Alice like I I thought um I think I had several thoughts of what my idols might be but they ended up all being surface idols that led to something deeper um and mine was not control but was um acceptance um and not necessarily acceptance of like everyone in society but certain people um that I felt like I needed to be approved of by or, or whatever. Um, so using some of those surface idols to get to that. But for us, I think it was really helpful to like hear the sermon. And I think I told Garen, you know, knowing that we had to discuss this at night, maybe made us pay attention to the sermon a little bit better. <laughs> and, uh, you know, actually take some notes and really just be intentional about it. Um, but it was so helpful to talk about that later that evening and really dig a little bit deeper and ask those hard questions and be really vulnerable with each other um, and be honest. That was, that was huge. And then going through some of these like weekly questions as a couple just helped us like peel back that onion every single week. And I'm going to just jump to it. You guys developed a really cool practice as a couple because of this. Can you guys explain it? Steve, you want to jump sure. in on that? Okay, I'll jump in since I stayed awake, I guess. Um, no, uh, it, it, it did help us. You know, I think the accountability was, was very big, and you, you pay attention in, in the sermon, and, but knowing that we we're going to delve deeper in, into the evening was a big help for us. And so we would take the diagnostic questions home, and I think I really would become curious, you know, naturally. And, and so we would begin to discuss it, and we found that the more that we were able to discuss it, the more we could apply it to daily life. And that was huge for us and allowed us to, to spend some time, you know, maybe not, you know, watching an old Seinfeld DVD or something, you know, that we would do for an hour. And instead we would, we would discuss this. And sometimes we'd get through only one or two questions. Um, and then next thing we knew it had been 45 minutes to an hour. And then other nights we would make it through the whole thing. And so uh, that, was, that was really helpful in terms of the peeling back layers and, Asking ourselves, you know, if, if you encounter something in daily life at work with a relationship, uh, whatever the case is, um, why, why do you respond the way you do? Um, and it just allows you to refocus and think for a split second, okay, why, why am I acting this way? Where do I need to shift my focus to? So that was big. And 
And I want to come back to that. Erin, just talk for a minute. Tell us even a little more what your evenings changed. How, like, what do they kind of look like now? Yeah, so we have a 15-month-old. Um, so we have just, within the past, I don't know, six months, figured out when he actually goes to bed at night, which has been a huge blessing. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks to this group, literally. <laughs> like, um, mom help. Um, but... Typically, we would put Matthew to bed, we would go down into our basement where our TV, like, living room is, and we would pop in a movie, or we'd pop in a Seinfeld episode or something, you know, just kind of brainless, and that's what we would do, and then we would go to bed. Um, And so we just have shifted. I don't think we've actually gone into the basement and put anything in the DVD player maybe once since we started this series, and it's just been, like, so freeing and so... Um, so eye-opening for us just as individuals, but as a couple as well, like even just the growth that we've gone through as a, as a couple with our spirituality has been huge. Um, but now, yeah, we'll sit down and he's got a Bible study he's working on. I've got one I'm working on. We've got the diagnostic questions. And so each night it looks a little bit different. Um, but just spending that intentional time with the Lord, um, has been really great for us as individuals and, and as husband and wife. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. Tyson, can you pass that down to him? You, Tyson, the, the whole thing of awareness. Um, I mean, you said some things, you and Emily both, but what, even, and just they brought up, he brought up that emotional thing. And several of you guys spoke into that. Would you guys, like, for a minute, what would you? Yeah, sure. So I think when we talk idols culturally, we tend to think very much about um, superficial items. And so we think about money, we think about um, I don't know, even jobs, just really superficial things. And so as we've been going through the study, just really connecting with the emotional uh, impact underneath uh, those superficial idols has really been impactful for us. Uh, For me specifically, really, um, you know, we may get frustrated with um, something that's happening in our life or something that's not going right at home or something that's not going right at work or whatever it is. And... just to be able to recognize that emotion quicker um, through this study um, because we've been able to dig deeper into what those core root idols are um, has really been helpful to um, when I'm feeling frustrated or disappointed or angry or whatever it is um, to, to hit that and probably back off a little quicker than I would have otherwise. Um, simply because um, I've got greater awareness uh, as a result of this study. Emily, what would you add? Yeah, I mean, similar to what he's saying, but I know in our group, and I'm sure many of you are thinkers, and so when we get frustrated, our initial response is to get into our head, and, you know, we've talked about in our group, have a plan A, B, C, and maybe even some of us D. You know, if this happens, I'm going to do this, and if it goes this way, this is what I'm going to do. And so, you know, through a couple of the sermons, I was thinking about that. And again, just that awareness and turning to God so much quicker than to let myself just fixate on something, you know, and it'll be all consuming sometimes. And then as Garen, um, the sermon where he talked about almost the irrational response or emotional response. And so just, again, quickly, more quickly acknowledging in myself, like, I'm overreacting to something, and why am I doing that? So just, again, turning to God so much quicker than maybe I would have before. 
And Emily, you had even mentioned with the diagnostic questions, you're, you just throw them in the trash and they're done. No, nope, you were, you were. <laughs> right out the door, they go in the recycle bin. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we've talked about in our group, I, I, several of us wish we or need to just sit down and come up with a prayer binder. My Bible is over there. I should have brought it up stuffed with so many good front and back. That's the other thing. You can't just slip it, you know, in a folder and see it. But I want it to be accessible because, I mean, I have them in order even in there so I can grab them and just go back to them. We, last week we were talking about, you know, the, the sermon with the D's. And so we all started thinking, but just to be able to grab that out and um, get back into it and bring it to the front of my mind. Yeah. Twice our group brought up the idea of needing a 12th binder, so mm -hmm. we're going to start producing binders for those of you who collect things um, like that. You brought up, you just brought up the, the, the D's, how our idols fail us, and if we cling to them, we'll eventually disappoint us. Emily, I'm going to ask you, you've been very vulnerable, I mean, all of you have been so vulnerable with our group, I really appreciate it. <coughs> you were pretty vulnerable about a thing in your life that had become enslaving, do you mind? Yeah, I'll share. Um, I think even the first sermon we had, he mentioned being enslaved by our idols. And so going years back, this is something I worked on before, um, but it just came kind of to life. I could see it in a different way. Um, a surface idol, um, but if you know me, you know I run and I enjoy it. Um, and I've ran since junior high, so most of my life. Um, but it became a priority and in a place that was unhealthy. And as in cross country, I was a runner in high school and college, and a coach had challenged everyone. It was supposed to be fun, um, and it, you can actually look this up. So streakers, but not in the normal sense of the word. Um, <laughs> runners who run every single day without fail at least a mile. And the challenge was to do it during the season to keep us in shape, keep us um, where we needed to be. But, of course, there were upperclassmen and even the coach who had already been running for years. And so I jumped on that bandwagon, too. I'm a goal-oriented person. Um, so it was okay at first, but literally 10 years into it, um, before that point, I mean, it was exhausting, and I was completely trapped in that. Um, I had a friend. When I realized, I think, how, maybe how bad or how I was recognizing it wasn't healthy, someone asked, when are you going to quit? And my comment was, I don't know what will let me quit. Like, it was a complete enslavement at that time. So that happened to be the year I did quit, and now um, I still run, I still enjoy it, but it's in a different place. Yeah, it's now a gift and not a job yes. anymore. I mean, you were even saying on vacations. Oh, I, I mean, around the world, if I was sick, if the weather was bad, on a mission trip, I mean literally everywhere, every day. No matter, I mean, it might be, oh my gosh, it's midnight, we were stuck on a plane, how am I gonna get my run in? You know, I had to get it in before midnight. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah just so you know, the Forsyth group for fun, we go streaking every week. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was new, <laughs> but the good kind of streaking. I like this kind of, that's better. Uh, I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Um, Anybody else want to talk about that, the failing? Because there were several of us that talked about that idea of how they fail you, um, that they don't give us the things that we're looking to. Erin, um, I know Emily had said something. Well, you just did. Erin, what? I don't know. 
Do you remember? Not really. Yeah. No, I don't remember right now. But it, it makes me think of what Andrea, you were saying. So maybe give Andrea the microphone. Yeah, we're gonna actually. I'm gonna have her because. <laughs> but it it made know. me think about what you were saying at Life Group, um, a couple of different times about like filling up, like the image of the cup, and how that touched you, and I think that kind of clicked with both of us. Yeah, it's it was really important, significant. I thought. Um, I really appreciated. Um, the idea of the, I guess, I grew up in church my whole life, like, church, Bible college, like, I've been around the world in church, I feel like, and so when I've ever heard the word idol, like, I mean, you think of a thing, you think of a money or a, an activity or something that takes up too much time, right? So you immediately think, well, if it's an idol, you need to get it out of your life. It needs to be gone. And that's really hard to do. That's really hard to just, like, cut the ties and, like, be done with running or whatever it is that you really enjoy, but it got to an unhealthy spot. And I really loved the idea when Garen talked about the glass of water, which is a complex image. But the idea of, like, you're just, if you fill up your cup and <coughs> with the right thing with God, um, the idol will eventually be pushed out or pushed to its rightful spot as opposed to the <coughs> deep guilt and shame of, I've got to figure out how to get rid of this. Um, it's more of a, let me just fill up with the right thing and then these things will fall into place easier. Not easy, but easier. And you felt like that gave you a sense of freedom. Yes. And freeing. That's very freeing to, um, that's a joyful and freeing idea to me, that it's not up to me to figure out how am I going to get rid of this thing? How am I going to quit doing the thing that I love? How do I, you know, how do I just chop it and get it out of my life? But it's not up to me to do that. It's turning towards God and by turning towards God, I, I already took the first step and turned away from the thing and yep. that screening. Yeah. And so you kind of talked talk about the quiet time, how to apply that. You already you talked to me about that. Um, the whole finding out people and stuff. Yeah. So just, again, the idea, like, quiet time is such, can become such, anything you do every day can become such a rote thing, just like, checkbox and I'm done and I, I feel a little bit about myself but I did it and um but turning that into because I will be the first to admit like it is many times in my life it's not my favorite time of the day it's not the thing I'm looking forward to doing it's something I might even not do or I do it just because I have to do it which is I might as well have not done it honestly at that point so Taking that quiet time as an opportunity to, okay, God, how can I find you more beautiful today? How can I see a way that you have caught my breath differently than before? Um, and those are your words. I'm just taking and trying to apply them to my own life. But how can God more beautiful? Yeah. And even last week, you shared with us a discipline of Thanksgiving that was really cool. That you were retaking up. What is that? Yeah, it was um, something I had done from a women's Bible study like eons ago. And I'm like, 
consistently, and then like I stopped doing it, but it was just a practice of Thanksgiving, and and like the last thing you do before bed is writing three things that you're thankful for, whatever they are. I mean, like simple things. Like I remember doing it when my kids were little, and I was thankful that the nap was longer than 30 minutes. Like I was thankful for that. Um, you know, I was thankful for an episode of Friends all to myself, you know. Um, but diving deeper, finding deeper things to thankful for, being thankful for the local things, um, but that kind of being the last thing on your mind before you shut your mind off, as opposed to, I don't know, as a mom, my go-to would be, what are all the things I did wrong? How did I yell at my kids? What did I need to do better tomorrow? I feel kind of bad about this. Um, that's a, that's a one eighty the last thing you think about before you go to sleep. Yeah. And it was a being thankful first, one thing today. Yes. And, and then, then what am I what's one thing I would be looking forward to tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Great way to end the day. Alice, you also the whole thing of finding God beautiful, but for you the Jesus part really kind of stood out. So could you talk about that? Yeah. Um so oftentimes when I'm reading the Bible I would be for knowledge. I'm like, okay, what do I need to learn today? Um but when Aaron had brought up, like, we need to start, or you know, maybe some of you, but he mentioned, um, start paying attention to, like, how Jesus treated every different fashion, whether it's, like, the Pharisees or um, the widows. And just, when you look at it like that, like, you learn so much about who God truly is. Um, and that has changed my quiet time. Um, so that's all I have to say on that. Yeah, but that's awesome. But just that renewing a focus on Jesus, right? Um, pass that to Stephen. Stephen, there was something you said the other night that I thought was kind of cool. I'd like you to elaborate. You talked about you tying in like time and energy to worship. Like, could you? Nice socks, by the way. I also do the, I forget what they're called, but. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, this is what our group's like, sorry. Uh, if you're ever in a group with me. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about like time and energy and tying it to worship, like how, what I'm giving. Yeah, I don't, um, just trying to define what I worship and how uh, may, I, might, I might describe that and, and find the definition in, through the process of idols um, of the series and the group and the insights from the group. Um, my attention went to how much time I spend with each item or sub-item in my life. And so um, that equaled to me, um, it helped me identify what I worship, either my text messages, internet history, um, my gas mileage, anything that I spent time with um, to a, an unhealthy time told me what I worship. And so... Um, you know, just replacing that with, with things that, um, of, of God, you know, Scripture, the Bible, and really dialing in to that. Yeah, and Stephen, while you have that mic, I love what you said just about the small group. Yeah, well, yeah, I think for me, the, the, um, the greatest joy that I've had through the process is just committing to joining a group. Um, you know, because it's so hard to do, and I don't want, didn't want to join a group. 
um, just because I don't I don't want to do anything after church on Sunday. You know, I mean that's what it came down to. Um, and you know, I the the beauty of just being able to um, you know what would we what would we all get? Um, what insights might we get if we started to share what we're grappling with? You know, and what we're what we're thinking about and the meaning that I've drawn to Christianity um, being a, you know, raised in the church as well is a lot of self-meaning and you can't find meaning alone. So it's meaning together, finding meaning together, um, sharing the joys and the traumas and the frustrations and just listening, even listening to the only story again right now, there's a new, there's a new angle to that story um, and that helps bring meaning to our larger group and then our corporate body um, uh, of our faith and how we do that. And that can't be done uh, in my house with even my wife. Um, it just, there, there's a part of the community that, that has to be there and present. And so that was, that was the first hurdle for me, is agreeing, making a commitment to myself that I think we're going to, I think we need to do this. And, um, like that's that was the, the thing that happened, and then you find it's a good thing to realize that. Yeah, and uh, I can't imagine this at all. But you said that you actually were getting more out of the small group than the sermon. I, I have yeah. no idea where that comes from. Could you could you uh, explain that before we kick you out of the group and out of the church? Um, no. <laughs> the uh, the thing. Being in Sunday school and church your whole life, like it's an encyclopedia of lessons that you just couch in places. So you never, I mean, I, talking about it in a sustained way over time, over the weeks, over the two months, has a way of, of reaching down uh, into ourselves and our discussion and dialogue that was what never could have happened, um, even though I liked your messages. You know, they're good, um, but like, they are, they're, they're good. And so, but I mean, I still want to go home, you know, and I still like when church is over, like I'm like, hey, I'll go get the car, you know? And, and so that's a natural cadence of like the, my Sunday. It's always been that way. And so um, knowing that, you know, I'm going to have to talk or listen uh, about this tonight and also, you know, maybe contribute, uh, and doing that um, has helped me be less judgmental on and, and more aware of when people contribute. And um, so just doing that with the group over time has been like, that's more than the Sunday message, you know, and it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. That's great. If you're not in a small group, I really challenge you to become part of the community because it, it just adds, I think, so much. So. That's great to hear. Love having you guys in the group. I'm glad you took that, that, that risk to, to be in a group with me. I know that was really hard to, to do. Um, let me wrap up with a couple of things. Once, um, Steve, you, um, you even went back to the very beginning. The whole, you know, that sin is not primarily breaking rules, but breaking relationship in the Bible. Like, could you just say something briefly to that? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> going through the different sermons, you know, you're, uh, 
like Stephen said, they are good, and you're you're paying attention. Um, but being able to to go into the evenings and dig a little bit deeper, I think that was probably my biggest takeaway. Was it is a relationship breaker. Um, you know, you start to think, well, I'm 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 worshiping this thing or this activity, and it's it's great, it's fun, I like this, it feels good. But then you start to realize that it's slowly pulling you away uh, from your relationship with God. Um, and that was profound for me because I thought, you know, well, I don't, I don't really do anything all that bad per se, I guess. Um, but I do spend a lot of time, you know, maybe watching videos on track and field technique or something along those lines. And it's, I don't necessarily need that extra 15 minutes maybe. Um, I don't know, maybe I do, depending on how our, how our team does. But, um, you know, it's, it's an opportunity that I should be spending those 15 minutes reflecting on what we've discussed, and it slowly pulls you away, and then you just start to feel that, that sensation of, of chaos, or I'm unraveling, or I've got to get back to uh, my, my faith and, and, and get back to that center point. Um, and I think being, uh, I was t- talking with Garen, that uh, I think having a competitive nature, you know, from a, from a sport realm, I look at it from, you know, there's the battle every day between good and evil. And it's, you know, Satan is, is, is he's looking at a playbook. He's, he's looking at our natures, our, our past natures, um, and where we're at presently. And he's studying us and thinking, how can I get to this individual and pull him away from, from that relationship with Christ? And, and that, was, that was, I think, really what triggered it for me was I thought, okay, this is, this is like a competition. You know, this is, uh, I don't know, maybe that's a deeper idol. I don't know. But... Uh, you know, so that, that really helped me to, to put it in that context of um, this is somebody trying to pull me away from the greatest thing. And that I, I was not going to, I did not want to allow that. So that was, that was big for me. Yeah. And so. you're in a quad with me. Right, right. Josue. Josue and He's here Gary. And Gary. He's over there. But we've been meeting and doing some material. And actually a lot of that material was fitting in with this. It was really cool. So right. we kind of got a double. Yeah. A yeah. double dose. Alice, I want to come back to you, and then one final thing, I think. Um, just, you were sharing how this impacted your evenings even when you get home. Can you just, that was pretty awesome, I thought. Could you? Um, so I had mentioned that when I come home from work, uh, I've been around people for the majority of the day, that's really, that can be really draining to me. Um, so oftentimes I'll just get on social media and scroll, and then it's an hour later, and I'm tired. And so it was really easy for me to make the excuse of, well, you're not getting up early, so many times the only time you're going to have time with the Lord. Um, and you just wrote that off. So um, through these, yeah, I don't know, these couple months, um, I started to realize that I needed to change my behavior of what I was doing when I came home. Um, and so it's a really small thing that I did, but I just removed um, the Instagram app and, like, my phone usage, like you get a report if you have an iPhone, um, and it's like that's been slowly decreasing. Um, so I know that I'm like spending less time on what's not filling me up. Um, you guys have mentioned like for you it's Seinfeld to just like none yeah. life and friends, right? And my social media. So um, yeah, and I've also been, um, it, it doesn't happen like every night, but when a prayer is answered, I make sure to journal that um, and, and date it because then I can come back to that. And um, I already shared that like one of my idols, my deeper idols, is control. 
And so just having that written down, um, I can come back to that later, and I can be like, but see, Alice, this is where he came through for you. This is where he came through for other people. Um, and just looking at the dates and how close they are. And it actually like got me excited to start doing that more um, because I'm like expected that he's going to answer for it. Um, so it's been a really neat. Yeah, cool. And a way for you to just see more of his beauty because you're seeing how much he's answering and his goodness and all of that. Okay. Um, I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna stop there. Is that okay? Can you guys give some applause to these guys because they did a great job. Thank you for just being in life group with us and for sharing. Um, Steve, I want you to hang up here for a minute. Hang on to the mic. You guys, everybody else can head down. You didn't know this was coming, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's because you were sleeping. Yeah, even during the interview, you were sleeping. Andrew, could you could you lift this thing up here? Um, no, actually, it's you mentioned the competition thing. So, dude. You and I are going to compete. Why don't you stand up and come on up here? Um, I'm going to, we're going to do something. And I'm going to have you give me a little help. Is that okay? So in a minute, I'm going to ask you, I want you to read that for me, if you would, um, in a second. Not right now, but I'll give you, I'll give you two. I'll go like uh, on your mark, get set, and I'll like fire gun and like go with the, the track <laughs> background. So this is kind of the wrap-up of the whole idol thing. Um, I really wanted to do this Common Sunday. I hope you found it valuable. Um, just I found the time with the group valuable and really did want people to hear, like, how are people really putting this into their life? Um, so I appreciate you guys. Um, leaders, I just want to remind you, if you don't mind, that there is a survey we'd like you to do if you didn't get your group to do that. That would be really valuable to me to to Lisa, the staff, as we think about it. If you have them, make sure you turn those in. Um, do want you to know I checked my shirt today before I came in, and I, I had, and then somebody told me, Garen, you need to, actually, the more thing, thing you really ought to check is the zipper, and I was like, oh. like, so, uh, just want you to know, um, I do have one last set of diagnostic questions, and it, it, it's really, one, I have, Tim Keller has these things called idol-based lifestyles that I think are powerful. I think if you read through these, you'll find two or three of these things that you're like, oh my gosh, that, that's me. For me, one of them was the contrarian. I, I had this thing where it came from, I don't know, that the need to be a contrarian sometimes, in my younger years especially, and how even through this and reading that, God was kind of setting me free from the need to just be different, to be different, you know what I'm saying? It had become something that was too, tied to my identity. I, challenge, I really encourage you to do that. And then there's the thing about your prayer life that you can ask some questions about your prayer life. Prayer is a good thing, but may show wherein idols are rising. But to me, the, the really big one is on the back is my service in the church because our idols can get into here and can get into our service. And looking at how our deep idols can actually be motivating our service. We're, I think all of us who are serving in the body are doing it. There is good motivation, but control can creep into where I've got to be, have the say in my ministry, or I've got to be the one deciding things, or um, the achievement, the success one, you know, I've got another, get another notch on my belt, but, so just to think through, like, how much of even my service in God's, for God um, is affected by that, so I just encourage you to look through that. Um, also, we put together a Spotify uh, playlist of some songs we've done, and some others people have recommended, so if you will get on Spotify, search Nate 12th Avenue and select TABC Living Water, there's a, there's a list of songs that we think really relate powerfully um, 
to this theme. And a couple more things, if you don't mind. I was even thinking last week, because I was sharing about how do we find God beautiful. You're doing great, by the way. Thank you. Just, I, <laughs> he's like, how long am I going to stand here? Um, you know, I mentioned that getting in community is a part of a discipline. Not just getting in community, but I was really thinking, getting around new believers who are passionate about their faith in God. Um, that's why I like hanging around Gary Laux. Um, Gary, I tell him, he's my pastor. He just has this passion right now in his life to know God deeply and profoundly and to surrender. And me being around him draws me towards him. So get around people that are passionate about their faith like that, new believers. And get around people who are on the journey to knowing Jesus. Because that also engenders passion, I think, for the goodness of God. Get, be about evangelism, about sharing your faith, being a part of journey. Because as people start to become drawn to him and they're excited about this new possible relationship, that stirs up this sense in you of, wow, God really is good. I've got a guy I'm meeting with Friday who told me that he has just taken the step from just it being an intellectual journey. He said, to where I'm, I'm starting to feel my emotions drawn to God. Do you know how exciting that is to hear? And to, hear, to be with somebody who's saying, I'm being drawn to him because I'm finding him beautiful. He wasn't saying it in those words. That, doesn't, that just propels you and draws you. So just a, those couple of thoughts. And then thanks for all your stories. A lot of you have been sharing stories. I've heard from some athletes about how their sport was becoming an idol, a student who was their academics and needing A's was an idol, um, a mother whose son had become an idol, um, somebody at work, that, that functional thing, and they've been turning to God, and the worry and fear has been dissipating, and there's this, I could mention others. Um, so just I appreciate the stories, and I'm glad if you've been working through this, because that was the whole point. So, all right, I want to summarize, pull this all together, if you don't mind, by going back to the book. Um, sipping Water. We have one more copy, by the way, if you want it. I really encourage you to get it if you haven't read it. But he does something really cool that I value, and it's that he tied idols to the story of God. And I just want to do a quick wrap-up. Um, because, as I told you, when we do the story of God, we always start first with that broken thing. And what he says is, is we all experience thirst right now in our life. We're all thirsty for something, right? We all experience that. And he says what that thirst is, is that thirst is, it's a thirst for paradise. And so would you read, Steve, would you read that for me? Whole thing? Yep. All right. So this is from Steve Hopp? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, a thirst for paradise. The Bible talks about the thirst for paradise in the book of Ecclesiastes. There, the author says that God has set eternity in the human heart, Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has created us all of us, all of us, with a restless yearning for a never-ending beauty, a world in which we can never smile enough, laugh enough, or play enough, a world in which our bodies remain strong, our minds remain sharp, our hearts remain pure, a world without fighting, fearing, or failing, a world without sickness, a world without wounds, a world without nothing hurts, a world of bottomless pleasure and infinite joy. We're born thirsty for a world beyond this one. We're thirsty for paradise, but this presents a problem. Our world isn't paradise. Our jobs are stressful, taxing, and unfulfilling. Our relationships are quarrelsome. We get cancer. We feel nervous, afraid, angry, and upset. The Holocaust happens. 9-11 happens. Poverty, genocide, and starvation happens. happen. We go years without speaking to relatives. Divorce splits families. Hurricanes, tsunamis, and earthquakes destroy the planet. Love fades. 
World peace is a cliched impossibility. We get wrinkles, acne, sunspots, and bald spots. We rarely smile. We rarely laugh. We rarely let loose and play. Our minds fail us. Our hearts ache. We constantly itch for more. Eventually, we die. The world we know, the world as we know it, is anything but paradise. Why? Why is this paradise nowhere to be found? Thank you. Yeah, and you can put that in the that thing. Yep. So what he's saying is, is what we thirst for is this. We thirst for paradise, right? And we've talked about that. When God created the world, he, everything was full of shalom. Um, everything was perfectly ordered. And then they lived in this amazing relationship with God. And that's supposed to say fountainhead. They were in this amazing daily walking. He walked with them daily. The fountainhead, they, it was exactly how things were supposed to be. And they walked with him. And there was no thirst because they, they enjoyed um, having all of that. But we know, to me, one of the key passages is what they did, though, that first man and woman, is they committed two sins. They first forsook him to turn away. The spring of living water, can you imagine that? The thing that made heaven appalled, that made the whole universe shudder, they forsook him, the source of living water, and they started to dig their own cisterns, cisterns that couldn't hold water. In fact, cisterns that were full of salt water that would never quench their thirst. And that's just not their story, that's our story, right? That's our story. And that's why God says this, would you come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. That's his invitation to us, to all of us. But it wasn't just enough for him to just simply um, to say that and to invite us in the midst of our thirst, to invite us to, to come to him. But what did he do? He came to us, right? He said, I'm, I'm not just going to invite you to come to me. I'm going to step into your world. And living water entered into our world in the form of Jesus. And everywhere he went, everywhere he walked, he spread love, life, and liberation, trampled death and darkness under his feet. And he met a woman who was thirsty, and he said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, the water that she had in the well. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Isn't that a great promise? The living water showed up and he offered himself and he said in John 7, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And so Jesus, the living water came. And when we talked about the story of God, there are people all over the world from every nation, every tongue and every tribe who are centering their life on him, who are giving their love to him who are bowing the knee to him. And his promises is that to all of those people, he will fill them up with his Holy Spirit. And here's what he said about that. Not only let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink, whoever believes in me as scripture has said, rivers of wa living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, 
whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And so the Holy Spirit comes into us and we are sent to heal in creation because now we have the living water and we are to be fountains that overflow into the world around us. And we are part of his mission, overflowing into the world, sent to heal, being on mission with him, restoring all things back to him, one person, one place at a time, being filled with the Spirit. And the book says that in this period, we experience this already. We do have the living water living within us, but we also have this not yet. You know, we still struggle, right? We still struggle with idols. We still try to quench our thirst with other things. Um, We still don't avail ourselves to it. Um, You know, I get tastes of paradise, and I find him all surpassing, all satisfying, but not the taste as frequently as I want. As he says in the book, I'm already quenched. I'm already experiencing paradise, yet paradoxically not yet quenched. Um, You know, we all undulate with all of this. And so we we long for the day. Yeah, and we long, I'm going to skip Martin Luther. We long for the day when we will be thirsty no more. When Jesus comes, he creates a new heaven and earth. He restores all things. He resurrects those who have that relationship with him, and we will live forever with him on that new creation once again in paradise, walking with him, drinking fully of who he is, never thirsty again. Don't you long for that day? Isn't that great hope? In the midst of the struggle of today, of like trying to walk in that, you know, filling yourself up with him, and it's an, it's an up and down battle, right? I know that. I just want to share what Revelation says about that time. It says that never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to what? Springs of living water. Don't you long for that day. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And here's what it says of that new creation. Then the angel showed me the what? The river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city, and on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And no longer will there be any curse, the throne of God and of Lamb will be in the city, his servants will serve him, they will see his face, his name will be on their foreheads, there will be no more night, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And the Spirit and the bride, we say, what do we say? Come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who's thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. And would you stand with me? And the book of Revelation ends with this. And I want you to read the red. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. And his people said, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Let us drink of the living water. Let us continue to live with the hope that one day we will be fully quenched and won't thirst anymore. So, Father, make us a people full of you and your spirit. You have, we have your spirit. Those of us who, who've received you, help us to live in the fullness of that walking with you, walking by the Spirit so we don't gratify the cravings of the sinful self. And may we be a people who shine a light of what it's like to not be thirsty.
so that those in the world around us who long for something to quench their thirst would, would be drawn to who we are. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are sent.